Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Firefly episode, Heart of Gold. On a charming planet, moon, or planetoid named Deadwood, stands the brothel Heart of Gold. And to this brothel comes a man named Rance, who terrorizes a pregnant whore named Petaline. If that baby is mine, it's coming with me. Nandy, the madam, calls her old friend Inara for help. Inara brings the crew of the Serenity. After sizing up the enemy, Mal decides to run, taking the whores with them. But they refuse to leave. As they are Mal's kind of stupid, he decides to stay and help them fend off the attack that is coming from Rance. Nandy, a defrocked, bona fide companion who left the order and learned to say ain't, <laughs> takes a bit of shine to Mal and gives him one on the house. She realized, because of her ninja-like companion training, no doubt, that Mal has a thing for Inara. But after Inara finds out about what they done and is brought to tears by it, Nandy again uses her ninja-like companion skills and realizes that Inara has feelings for Mal, too. Wait, What? There's been simmering sexual tension aboard the Serenity and we never noticed? How did that happen? The fight begins, and the baby decides now is the time to be born, because of course it does. With the help of an insider, Rance gets inside and attempts to kidnap the baby, but is thwarted by Inara. He escapes, but not before killing Nandi. Mal goes for revenge and captures Rance instead of killing him. He brings him back to the whorehouse, where he's promptly killed. Back in space, wallowing in their sorrow, Mal and Inara start to confront their feelings for one another. Inara knows what she should have done a long time ago. She informs Mal. She's leaving. Okay, Heart of Gold. A tale of... Ah, uh, very timely tale, I think, because I believe the buzzword these days right now is toxic masculinity. And I think that might describe this episode to a T. Okay. So, uh, what did you, uh, what did you think of this episode? Go, oh, come on, you've got to tell us. You, you don't, who, you don't think. Who's toxic masculinity? You don't think Rance and his town full oh, of. Oh, well. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I will save the scene where he makes a prostitute give him a blowjob in front of a crowd of men. Um,. As possibly one of the most disturbing and disgusting things I've ever seen on television, but um, <laughs> and and leads me to ask a serious question: Has that ever happened, or is that the twisted, sick mind of the writer? Well, it's fiction. Yes, it's set on a yes. on a a moon. But has that ever happened? I, I mean, is that the I sort don't of thing find that... It that hugely unbelievable? I have to say I kind of do, but then there's a lot of horrid things that humans do that I find hard to believe actually happen. I mean, but I particularly don't find it difficult to believe now. In in this day and age? <laughs> well, yes, yes, precisely so. I mean, the whole, yes, the, I, I'm not sure that I would, I'm not sure that I would consider what we're talking about here to be what is generally considered to be toxic masculinity because i think that's about people conforming to a particular notion of masculinity i'd be interested to discuss whether we think mal is conforming to that in certain scenes in this episode but rance burgess is just basically the the bad guy i mean he's definitely the bad guy there's there's an there's an archetypal story going on here of a particular genre, which we're going to come back to. And he has virtually no redeeming features. And one of the 
one of the things that his particular type of banal evil is tied up with here is the is the subjugation of women Mm. and the line he has in that scene i forget exactly what it was but it's something like you know she so the whore which is the the word that gets used in this episode who has betrayed her comrades in Mm. coming to him knows her place I'm pretty sure those are the words he uses. It's something to that effect. Show them you know your place. It's something like that, yeah. Part, part and parcel of his nastiness is that he has absolutely no respect for women. Hmm. I have to admit, I kind of felt like there was a little bit more to that. But I, I felt like it was not... It wasn't just that he didn't have any respect for women. It's that he was dominating that attitude on the crowd the other men in the place that that he was spreading that misogyny to the others i mean not saying that they weren't to start with but in other words he's oozing it (laughs) he's he's, he is he is uh, he is making it acceptable he is making it the the norm the way things ought to be amongst those people and that civilization on that planet just oh, like yeah. he's the yes, one making absolutely. it be a desolate hole apparently where nobody gets technology except for him and his land speeder and laser blaster but you know he is the the, the, the cancer if you will um of of deadwood the cancer of deadwood that sounds like a sounds like a hell of a western novel and the sorry Anyway. Well, here's the here's here's the, here's the thing, and uh, there's a there's a line in the the notes that Joss Whedon has for this one where he says that the edict from the network was for God's sake, no westerns, and then they were watching the rushes of this and thinking, well, the network is going to kill us, which of course the network was going to do, yes, but they didn't know that at at the time. Um, but it's, I mean, it's got horses in it. Fantastic. Mm. Mm Uh, and I, and I, I do like it because it is a real archetypal Western, but it, I mean, you can probably guess what film I had to watch straight away after seeing this. Uh, no. It, I mean, it's the Magnificent Seven, right? That's. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose. There's a, there's a bit of Shane in there, I think. Um. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure that Whedon has acknowledged Rio Bravo, which I haven't seen. Um, but he does say the Magnificent Seven, and yeah, rewatching the Magnificent Seven, you can completely see all of the parallels. Our, you know, instead of farmers, we've got whores, but they are they are being leached off by this unscrupulous and irredeemable monstrous villain and our our bunch of ragtag heroes slash guns for hire come in and well save the day albeit with taking some losses themselves i i mean that's a case where if somebody actually says in this case whedon says i'm leeching off magnificent seven then i'm i'm completely willing to say, okay, fair enough. But Magnificent Seven think, yes. and Seven Samurai before it is a pretty wide net that's cast. There are an awful lot of shows about a ragtag group of people helping out some oppressed group. And I don't know that all of them are straight up, hey, I'm doing Magnificent Seven. A lot of them are just, this is an idea that comes around again and again and again and when they've got when they've already pre-made got a group of mercenaries flying around as their show virtually every time they come to someone's assistant you could argue that it's sort of magnificent seven but but i'll like i say i'll accept it if you wanted to do that then sure i'll i'll take it but it it wouldn't have made me think oh yeah that's it's not like um uh hold on Roger Corman, Battle Beyond the Stars, 
which is you watch that one and you go, oh, this is totally a ripoff of Magnificent Seven. <laughs> because of, of I haven't seen fact, that one. Even with Robert Vaughn in it as the gunslinger. Um, it's, well, uh, if he's a gunslinger who's lost his nerve, then I'll buy it. He's, he's not. He's gunslinger who's... the heck is his weirdness? I didn't quite see it as a draw. I probably would have been more believable if they had had to bring the unit together rather than than have the Serenity crew be ready, a ready-made band of Sure, I mean, it's, it's 50 minutes, and yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not a remake of The yeah. Magnificent no, no. Seven, but it's, it's inspired by that. It's that, it's, I mean, okay, I mean, so, well, I think The Magnificent Seven is the most obvious example, but it's a genre of Western where right. your hero is someone who, who comes in from out of town to protect your good honest peasant who's living off the land who is being exploited by some ruthless bandit and that's absolutely the setup here yeah okay fair enough uh i think yeah i can yeah and if i remember rio bravo i can see that as also as part of that genre so uh yeah well then let's uh let's ask this question are the whores good honest folk yeah I think that I think they are, and I I so I mean I think one aspect of it is that they are the farmers in Magnificent Seven, and that that comes from like Nandy's speech about it took me years to cut this piece of dust, and there is that that kind of respect. So that it's like the thing that drives Yul Brynner to to recruit all of the other gunfighters is that respect that he feels and you get that i think in malcolm's decision that if they're not going to run with them he's going to he's got he and his crew are going to stay because you're my kind of stupid mm. Mm. i think the other interesting aspect of it are they good honest tillers of the soil or whatever as it were is, well they are practicing well, animal husbandry they are referred to as whores. Mm-hmm. And so one of the thing, things that's running through this and one of the thing, one of the reasons I think they have to make Rance Burgess so particularly reprehensibly vile is that they are exploring this theme which we've discussed before that somehow it is okay for women to... to basically engage in a allowing themselves to be exploited by men i can't think of a a better way of putting it than that it kind of gives away my position on this but whatever it that it's that it's somehow okay for their for them to sell their bodies providing that they are doing it on their own terms which this episode goes out of its way to suggest that they are because we get Nandi's story of, of how when she came along to this brothel, it was run by a man and he didn't look after his girls and, and so on and so forth. And clearly there is something different going on here. They're, they have developed self-respect. They have but got it's... a sense of community. And even though you know we know at least one of them is sufficiently unsatisfied to to sell them all out i it's, do, i think it's unfair to <clears throat> the way you characterize it i'm not saying it's wrong but i think it's unfair to characterize it that they were run by a man i think what you should have been saying is they were run by a non whore because that seems they like were the run difference. by a man they were run by a man but there are men whores no 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 you can't brothel. no there no. are men whores in this brothel they make a point of it what if he had worked his way up to be in charge of that? Would that still be exploitive? You can't possibly be seriously separating this from gender. I, I, I kind of am. Because what is, <laughs> it that, what is it about them selling their bodies on behalf of all we get is a man who is running the place as opposed to Nandy? Surely it's the way she treats the business and the people because this could be a whorehouse entirely of male prostitutes. And then it's not. Then but it, it's partially. 
It's not largely, admittedly. It's large. It's largely female. <laughs> it is largely and... female. I I absolutely agree. But they make they go out of their way to make sure that we know that they've got male prostitutes there. Even though I think the only one they got got killed in the course of the yes. episode. And there's definitely an in, an indicate that. So, all right. There there is the scene where Kaylee notices the boy whores. Yeah, isn't that thoughtful? But. Mm-hmm. Seriously, how many of their clientele do you think are female? I, I'm not entirely sure that the that the ones coming in for the boy are female, but I think it's none. <clears throat> I don't. Did we see any other? Well, apart from Rance's she, she wife, offered, she says use... she's got. Nandi says she's got boys for for Mal. Yeah, if he wants them. Yeah. So I I think I think the point about this is that we are talking about an industry in which. And because you know this isn't a complete fiction, this is based on this is this is based on what we know about sex work, and that is that it is a an industry that is predominantly patronized by men and you know in the real world run by men and not run in the interests of the women who work in it so if you're talking about one one of the women running the business in the interests of the women. Well, you are talking about a woman, probably. Probably, I will absolutely agree. I just, it's like, you know, it's, I, I'm not trying to play false equivalency here, but certainly a woman can be just as exploitive in, in, in trading in yes. a business like this. So it is Nandy yes, who comes in because point. she is better trained, better uh, educated has a different attitude perhaps towards let's call it prostitution instead of whoring here because now we're drawing that line between companion and and whore because there is something going on there and which is what i was kind of trying to to drive this towards um you know she was trained at the same place inara was even in this episode despite the fact that that Inara and Nandi are obviously friends. She can't not let a little contempt into her voice. Yeah. Earlier in the yeah. episode when she calls it, no, they're whores. Yeah. Whereas all the times that Mal calls her a whore and she bristles at it, she turns around and she says, yeah, well, Nandi, they're, they're whores. Which means she has a sense of superiority about either, whatever the distinction is, between license, licensed and unlicensed? perhaps uh part of this house that they belonged to and i thought it was interesting that that nandy says that anara was on her way to being the house priestess priestess is a religious term mm. what is companionship a religion in this in this world and and you know is there you know is it is it is well religion is a method of control and always has been it's a method of exploiting people who believe so is that an is is there something going on there is the reason that there's so much against whores is that an anti-competitive practice are they trying to draw that distinction in in brand Man, well i think it i think the religious question is an interesting one well it does it does i mean the thing about religion is whatever your views on it even if you even if you subscribe to the idea that religion is a method of control you can't ban people from following a religion without exercising a method of control of your own and so what's going what's going on here is that is there is this kind of i don't know if it's quite a hierarchy but there is certainly some snobbery in it mm-hmm. about about choice and freedom and control and so the fact that on on the one hand you've got rance's line which i i have checked actually doesn't say understand a woman's place he says understand a whore's place so you have you have this view of what it is to be a whore and what um position that means you occupy social position you occupy and then you have the fact that there is this notion of you know on the on the other extreme end this notion of a of a companion who has this high social standing and in between You've got the heart of gold, which is full of people who are trying to 
I guess, exercise their own autonomy in terms of, yes, they are selling themselves, but they are trying to control how they do it and do it on their own terms. Could could they be ultimately uh, on a path to raise themselves up to be something like one of the House of Companions? I mean, is this a, is this a start of a... Well, the interesting thing is that Nandi says she doesn't... The reason she gave for leaving was because she was she found the life of a companion too constraining. So it's almost as if she has even more autonomy in terms of that. A lot of people will will leave a religion to something very similar, and ultimately it ends up becoming like it, but with different rules, different norms, because it's, you know, I, I found it too constraining. I, I, I remember my my grandfather, and this is not quite the same by any stretch, and my grandmother once telling me, my grandfather told me, not my grandmother, that they, when they moved somewhere, they they changed churches. And and as someone who's never been religious, I'm not too, you know, what's, how big of a deal is that? But that they literally changed the, the denomination of church that they attended because the the one that was theirs wouldn't allow singing at church. And, and they liked to sing on Sundays. So they dumped them and and moved on because it was too restrictive. It's this very, yeah. very thing. And of course, I'm just thinking, okay, well, it's, you know, I mean, if, if your deeply held dogmatic beliefs about the nature of the universe are contingent upon whether or not you can sing on Sunday, I don't respect that much. But, but that's another story <laughs> altogether. Um, <clears throat> like that's that's pretty flexible truth about the way you interpret the universe. But okay, let's like go on from that. But I... Yeah, I mean, th- this one, this is really the most we've gotten out of the uh, the, the whole companion whore relationship. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think that Rance sees any distinction between companions and whores? No, but, that, but that's, the, that's, the, that's the point about the scene, which is that he is very keen to demonstrate, as you say, he's almost proselytizing to his followers, that... The relationship between a man and a whore is one of essentially dominance. Does Mal see a difference between a companion and a whore? Well, that's more complicated. Mal would Mal would suggest he doesn't. But of course, the other thing, the the point I think about exploring this particular distinction in this episode is that it's done in parallel with trying to. I would say explore, but it's not exactly exploring. It is debunking the, or as this episode would have it at least, it's debunking the distinction that Inara has tried to draw between love and sex, because this is the other aspect of what's involved in being a companion or a whore or whatever you want to call it, which is certain relationships are, quote, purely business-like, and certain relationships are literally business. And Inara is priding herself on being able to separate out sex from other feelings. And when she catches Mal coming out of Nandi's bedroom, she actually literally says one of the virtues of not being puritanical about sex is not feeling guilty afterwards. So she is making this point about there being a distinction. And yet, when it comes to her feelings about Mal, she is completely and utterly devastated by what you can't even describe as a betrayal, because in her terms, that's not what was going on. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yes, I I agree. You know, she doesn't have any right to be devastated about it because she has made it very, very, very clear to Mal that she's off limits. And further, she's made it. But but not not just that. But it's clear he should go ahead and do his stuff. Yes, but it but it's the fact that sex doesn't have to be connected to 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 those. So. It's right. not that Inara is saying she's off limits to Mal as a sexual partner. She's saying the the whole the whole point, the, the what Nandi sees in, in Mal is an interest 
from Mal in Inara in for in in in, in, a, in romantic terms that he's interested in more than that. Inara has a picture in her head of Mal. We all have a picture in our head of Mal of some kinds of what type of person he is, of what his his qualities yeah. are. Is the picture in her head the guy who's so uptight about sex that he wouldn't have a casual fling with somebody like Nandy? No. That that he holds it in a higher regard than just something to do for recreation. He he treats it like an old style puritanical sex is for the person you love. Cause I that's kind of what I got out of that. That that that's the betrayal that she feels in a way is that one, she didn't think Mal no, would really do it. That, and two, she didn't realize how deeply she wouldn't like that when it happened. Yes. Yes. Because because that's the point. I think the, the picture she has in her head turns out not to be the picture she has in her head, if you see what I mean. It's that it's as you say that she didn't realize it and that she had in in as much as she had any sort of intellectual sense of what she thinks mal is like or ought to be like it's not it doesn't match her feelings did nandy use her advanced companion training i mean we we're, we're led to believe that this is a this is a a step above this is companions are not just women who spread their legs for money they are trained in 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 empathy and uh conversation and in companionships they're 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 designed to be able to break down the barriers and to read their customers and that's that seems to be all part of their training mal doesn't stand a chance right against that right if Inara turned it on him, he wouldn't stand a chance. And and right. so Well, especially it, not because he wouldn't he wouldn't offer much in the way of resistance. Well, yes, yeah, certainly not in Inara's case. Um and, and, it, and it didn't but, last but, long know, in Nandy's I, I, case. It didn't last long in Nandy's case. I mean, Nandy obviously fancied him, and so that was part of it. Mal had, you know, with thirteen episodes in and you know, Mal hasn't got any yet. He's been kissed once, he, slept it off. Yeah, yeah. Look, at, look how that worked out. So none of it is surprising, given what's been going on. None of it would give Inara any justification, I think, for being surprised. And yet she is surprised by her own feelings about it. She discovers, She discovers something that, I guess, she's not entirely happy about you wonder if that is a a a feature of the training of the house and one of those things that's too restrictive for nandy that that left perhaps i don't know yeah well i mean it could be yes now did we know prior to this because i don't remember i don't remember it if we did that there was some mystery about why she left the house i don't think so it's the first but I recall hearing we, about it. I think I think it's I think it has been referred to, but I can't pinpoint where. Can't point which episode that it is an oddity that they've got a companion basically hanging out with a crew of bandits. Well, I mean, I just kind of assumed that. Yeah, it's odd that she's with a crew of bandits, but I didn't necessarily believe that it was odd that there was a traveling companion, one that no. might make stops and go to planet to planet. I just expected them to travel in much greater style. Uh, but no. now it sounds kind so, of like so there's the planet of companions and she was going to be the top and then for some odd reason left to go ply her trade elsewhere. I I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just curious. I mean, we obviously do not have enough episodes coming up um, for them to either A, delve deeply into that mystery, or B, even resolve this storyline as far as I can tell. Because I think there's one more left, right? There's one more episode left. One more episode left, yeah. Depending, obviously, in which order you do it in. But 
I think yes. I think we we'll, we need to see this through to the end before we discuss episode order again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because obviously, obviously, there you know there is this episode is a crucial episode. So we're, previously was incredibly we long. About, what do you have the previouslys on these? I don't remember. I no, 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 no. We don't. Okay, yeah, it's incredibly long on this one. Okay, I've no idea what was in it. Sexual but... tension, relationships, more Excellent. relationships, more sexual tension, fighting, family issues, bickering. <laughs> what I was going to say was previously on Fusion Patrol, ah. you had been suggesting when we were talking about the episodes with Saffron in mm-hmm. that Saffron as a recurring character would reappear in a future episode, you know, had the show gone gone on, and that this would precipitate the resolution of the mal in our attention. Huh. Well, but see, you need act- a companion to do that. Indeed, indeed. So, yes, she's she, she's not Saffron, for sure, because she's not that kind of evil. Um, but, yes, the, I mean, this basically we have precipitated these feelings being brought to the surface and as a result we've now got the fact that inara is leaving serenity i am i am duly impressed simon that you remember what i've said previously because i don't even remember what i've said previously (laughs) (laughs) i can i can when you say it i can totally go yeah that sounds like something i'd have thought of because that that feels like the that feels like the tweak that they need there I to 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 break down the companion to break down the companion armor if you will that Inara has about her job and keeping away from from the the hired help kind of thing is that <laughs> she needs to have someone who has her superpowers working on Mal and that's and that's Indeed. Saffron so far in this but now we see that that Nandy of course had it as well and and also, oh, go ahead. No, finish the thought because it's a slight change of direction. Well, so was mine, but I was going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, all right. I was going to. I was going to say if we're talking about things that you've said previously, I don't know whether you remember this one either. But we had talked about whether or not, in the future or in the speculative future, had the show gone on, would because because obviously one of the key relationships amongst the crew is the relationship between wash and zoe would they have a baby oh okay and yes we did get that well we didn't get that but i mean we got we got that discussion we did get the discussion yes and i'm gonna say i'm gonna say if i'm thinking back on it that joey has been characterized as the kind who would not want to have the baby and so they threw it up in the reverse order here in this episode just to shake it up. That it I don't is think she has been characterized in that way, but I think there, I think there is a sense, but or particularly there would have been a sense in 2001, a common, a, a common perception, let's, let's say, that a, a professional soldier wouldn't also be a mother. It it does kind of seem like you have to sort of leave the professional soldiering behind, but then there are tons of of men who who leave their families and their little children to go off and get shot up, um, and so I mean it, it's certainly doable. It just seems like a remarkably irresponsible thing to do, but uh... no, <clears throat> I mean <clears throat> it's it's. It depends. It depends whether you're. It depends whether you're both going off. Someone's got to stay at home and look after the baby. I agree. I agree. I'm just. I, I'm just not sure that a high risk. I could get shot. Job is kind of the thing you should be continuing to pursue after you've decided to start a family. That's that's my that's my point. Not the well, perhaps, but that's pretty. That's pretty hard on anyone who might. I mean, police officers more so here than. Other countries, yes. yes well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm probably thinking <laughs> yeah. of thinking of your side of the pond. I don't know, racing drivers. I don't know, but I mean, it, racing drivers doesn't work quite so well because I'm thinking of soldiers and and uh, law enforcement as being uh, 
public servants who we should be grateful for their sacrifice without asking them to make additional sacrifices on top. I'll leave it there. Um, I do draw a distinction between the police and the military, but then I grew up watching MASH, so maybe I'm biased <laughs> against the military in all aspects. But, you know, there there is a difference between a job to protect and a job that's functional about killing other human beings and functional about getting killed. That is that is the job of a soldier to kill or be killed. The other Whereas, aspect of it is that is that Zoe isn't I'm not sure that is the job of a soldier actually, but I probably don't want to argue the point right now. Um the the thought I was just pursuing there was that Zoe isn't a soldier serving in an army. So True. I guess the public service question doesn't really arise. True. I but I can't I mean I I can't see them raising a child on the serenity. Is that a does that seem like a reasonable assessment of the situation? Well, they've got a doctor who, you know, if they go ahead by that time he'll have already delivered at least one baby, so not so worse. much the delivering it is that the at all the points after that, all the times they You mean is there a crash? Yeah. Is is there a place where it's safe for them to leap? For example, in this episode, where uh, Wash and uh, Kaylee return to the ship to find out that it's been overrun by gun-wielding gangsters, uh, or it, it it just yeah, I mean, little clearly that would be bad. But I but I I think part of what we're seeing in this in the portrayal of this universe, which I think kind of again reflects reality, is that for some people. Life is harsh, and in some ways, the reason that the crew of Serenity have chosen the life they have as bandits and thieves is to avoid an alternative, even worse existence of, you know, basically below subsistence poverty stuck on some planet somewhere, where actually the reality is that if you try to to bring up a family there, the danger of of death or whatever would be at least as high. Hmm. I thought Zoe and Mal were just not doing that because they wanted to not have to be under the thumb of a repressive. Uh, but being under the government. thumb of a re- repressive regime of a repressive regime could be uh, about the about the kind of lifestyle and life chances you get. I mean, the thing is, someone like. Simon or River Tam would not be in anything like that position. You know, if either, if either of them were to were to have stayed and lived their lives, albeit within the constraints of a repressive regime, they would have been able to bring up a family and, and give their children all sorts of opportunities. And there would have been very little concern about infant mortality or disease or being able to put food on the table or anything like that. Um, they might still have rebelled if they had Mal's rebellious spirit. So, yes, I guess we can't definitively answer the question of what kind of life Mal has chosen to to run away from. But um, it might not all be roses. Okay. So what did you, since you kind of led us into this... Um, <laughs> so so what, what was your assessment of... of- Wash and Zoe's uh, balance there on that. I mean, is there any more well, I, to say? I would, no, I mean, I don't see. Obviously, I know, I know how much more we we see about this, and I knew that when I discussed it before. And I guess you know, aha, what I said before stands. <laughs> okay, but it's you know, it's speculative. This is this is a a couple of throwaway lines in this episode, really. Now, do you think if if the show had gone on to a second season and they had, in fact, actually had a baby, do you think it would have grown up into a nine-year-old in a few minutes due to some sort of space magic, like every other TV show that has babies on it? Uh, (laughs) Give give me an example. I'm struggling to think of a TV show with a baby. V. Uh, (laughs) Didn't see it. Didn't see it. I, I don't know. It's a fairly common trope in a science fiction prize. Star Trek Next Generation had one as well. It's a fairly common trope that when a character has a baby. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Have... Melody Pond. There you go. There we go. 
She's in her thirties before she's born. Yeah, they grew her up. They grew him up very quickly because it's very hard to use a a, a baby actor for for purposes. So they can't give dialogue. They can't do anything. So they science fiction shows have a, a sad tendency to age children quickly for some reason. I, I'm I'm being facetious. Some some listeners will get that trope. <laughs> I bet it's on TV tropes. If you look it up about the the rapidly growing child uh, it's i'm i'm sure that that's i've seen it over and over again in in bad science fiction so would Whedon do that i honestly doubt it but uh let's see uh i have a note here and and i'm gonna admit that this episode's been a little bit cursed uh in that we have been trying to record this for what four weeks uh least i think at least four weeks which means i haven't actually watched the episode in about a month uh, i skimmed it a little bit before we came into it so one of my notes here is that kaylee is feeling insecure and wash reassures her yes what was that about i don't remember <laughs> so kaylee Kay, kaylee is when they when they get to the um to the heart of gold kaylee is is saying oh They've got boy whores. Isn't that thoughtful? And then she adds, it's not like anyone else is lining up. So what we've got is one of those moments when the Kaylee Simon course of true love is not exactly running smooth. Now, I don't quite know. Again, this comes back to episode order, whether we're whether because I, 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 I think it can't be possible that we're seeing the after effect of what happened in the message mm-hmm. where things were not going well there. This could just be another instance of that. So basically she's, she's saying, tell me, tell me I look pretty or something like that to wash. And, uh, wash says something along the lines of, were I not a married man, I would take you in a manly fashion. Okay. That's why I wrote it down. Cause it was an amusing line. <laughs> That could be why. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's that. That's what it was. Uh, so this place is referred to as a cowboy theme park. Oh, very Westworld. At, at one point where he holds back technology to play cowboy and show off his high tech. Now, this world doesn't look any different from all the others we've been on practically on the frontier. I mean, you get you get back into the core. Sure, the planets are nicer, but they're all cowboy theme parks. This has been part of my complaint: is that they've taken it a little too far in many places. Here, we've got a planet where they explicitly tell us that this is an intentional choice by the guy who runs the place. Is that a thing on it the does, other planets? It, I don't know. It look it does. The actual town does look like. A, a cowboy theme park more than anything else does. I mean, my complaint would be we haven't had enough westerns. I mean, it's been ages since we've had horses, for goodness' sake. Um, I'm completely at odds with Fox on this particular point. I'm not. I'm not. I like the, I like the fact that it has the kind of cowboy feel to it i don't feel that it adds anything to say it's a cowboy theme park because i think you could just show it the way it is i mean we don't know maybe this moon is somewhere closer to the core and therefore the kind of rather poor and desolate planets that we've seen elsewhere are fewer and further between at this point but i i i I like the look of it, I, and I like the fact that the, the the heart of gold isn't part of that. That it looks like a frozen dinner pack. It's 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 you know the the design of that place is very much from the twin dilemma school of futurism. <laughs> the the hey, we've got this house, which I understand. I happen to be looking through. I was trying to find. Uh, I was trying to find something specific about the episode for my notes, which I can't remember what it is, and I ran across a page. That amongst other things pointed out all the screw ups that happened in this episode about 
In this scene, you can clearly see a tow truck in the back next to Heart of Gold. In the next scene, it's covered in a gray tarp, so you can't see it. And then scene here, you can see the air conditioning units. And in the next scene, they're covered in aluminum foil. <laughs> so it's obviously just a house somewhere in California that, that for spacey effect, they got out the aluminum foil. Yeah. And since it's in California, yeah. it's aluminum foil, not aluminum foil, as it was in Twin Dilemma. Well, <laughs> I can't help it if it's not pronounced correctly. It's not even spelled the same. <laughs> Is it not? No. We don't have the extra oh, I okay. in aluminum. Oh, well. See? So we're not mispronouncing it. It's not like Lieutenant, which is obviously wrong. <laughs> but uh, I used to think you spelled it L-E-F-T in it when I was a kid. Whenever I would hear that on some British show. And I'm like, huh, oh, they have a different spelling for Lieutenant. Eh, well, that makes sense. They hate the French. And I'm sure that must be a French word. <laughs> right? I mean, it has to be, but I I don't know. So you've got the the French lieutenants, French French lieutenants woman. Yeah, who made Is that? It? Yeah, who made that film? The British or the Americans? It's well, it's British. It's filmed in. There's a sequence in it filmed in Lyme Regis, so I'm assuming it's British. <laughs> That's closer to France. Um, okay. Let's see. Okay, the baby idea. Um, we've got one of the girls betrays the heart of gold. She's then treated absolutely like dirt in front of a crowd of voyeuristic monsters. What? Why? Why did she do that? Why did she betray the sisterhood? Yes. Do you think it was money? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Funny thing is, I didn't really wonder about it. It I wasn't surprised. I don't know why. Because it, it, it kind of seems like the whole point of Nandy coming in and taking over this place and kicking out their masculine overlord and 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 turning it into a, a independent whore co-op or whatever it is, um, is that they had formed a bond of family there. And I, well, I there's guess, no redeeming features thing... in Rance except he's got money. It just It just seems like... And I suppose there's enough money in the world you might betray anybody, but it just didn't. It just didn't, and it didn't really amount to much. Well, either. because because in well, it, it was fairly it was fairly important. But I, I would I would say that what it represented the question of why isn't isn't something I wondered about. But what it represented to me was the fact that there was a woman who was who was who was still willing to throw her lot in with someone who would treat her that badly now whether that comes from love or avarice or what exactly isn't isn't as important as the fact that some somehow that would her lack of her lack of solidarity and you know crucially i think self-esteem led her into a situation that which is clearly clearly worse off but you know People are human and make bad choices. Pretty bad choices. Pretty bad choices. Um, oh, here's where I was going earlier. One thing I appreciate, and it's going to sound harsh, but I appreciate it, that Rance shot Nandy and she died. That she didn't get to whisper any last words to Inara or to Mal or, or to anything like that. Because I will admit, I've never liked that ability for the writer to both kill someone off and to give them the opportunity to pass on some sage bit of wisdom regret or farewell to the people who are going to grieve because of course that's not generally the way that works and to you, give you, the actor some really yeah hammy death scene to get their teeth into which, uh, you know it's like but it's far more realistic that the person is ripped from you and that's it. There, there is no yeah. opportunity for anything, any exchange between you and them before they're, unless it's an illness or something of that nature. I mean, they're just, they're just gone. Somebody leaves the house one day to go to work and they're killed in a car accident and you never see them again alive, that kind of thing. And so I, I really expected her to, you know, 
take care of each other, you two, or some god-awful cliched <laughs> final gasp, you know? <laughs> reaches up and grabs their hands and puts them together, or some horrible, horrible piece at that moment. But instead, she's just dead. So was the look between Mal and Inara at that moment, was, was that Inara saying, go get him? Rance? No. I didn't I, get I that did, out of it, but I... I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I think I think it was more a kind of... There's a certain amount of confusion going on because, they're, because there's a proper triangle now. They're both connected to the dead woman, and yet there is also this thing going on between them. But they're, you know, it's genuine grief. It's a genuine loss for both of them. Um, what what I did did think was interesting. I mean, when you're talking about um, toxic masculinity, I did think it was quite interesting that that we have this kind of macho thing of right now Mal is going to go and duke it out with Burgess, who's killed his woman, mm-hmm. because in some ways this is conforming to the. I think we talked about this, so I can't quite remember how. It was maybe some sort of gender reversal thing to do with Zoe. But this idea that in stories like this, where you have, where your where your hero meets a girl, and then in order for him to be able to move on, the hero's girl has to die, and yeah, that's kind of what happens here. It follows that track pretty closely. Though it's sort of unnecessary. She's, you know, she's inconvenient. She, you mm. know, she, you gotta, you gotta get her out of the way from a story of mine standpoint. But do you have to get her out of the way? Because is there really any serious attachment here? Ah, uh, was it actually just a tumble in the hay for both of them? See now that that picture I have in my head of Mal, it is something to him. Maybe right. not to her, but to him. Probably so he's got is. to die. Sorry, she's got to die to keep your picture of Mal intact. Yeah, which you which know, is the be... way writers work. <laughs> it yeah, depends yeah, on no, what. The... No, no, I, no, I. I mean, that's the that's the writer's intention. But I have a, I think I have a slightly different picture. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an interesting one again in terms of Mal's morality because although he does ride out to to. Um, pursue Burgess he doesn't kill him he brings him back and we've, yeah. we've kind of discussed that that before where you know because in this case I think you would you would kind of understand if not justify why someone in the heat of the moment when the woman who yes maybe according to the picture in your head he's falling in love with has been shot down in cold blood by this unspeakable villain well, there's, you know, there's a couple things to it. Um, he's he's chasing him on a horse and and Rance is shooting at him with a laser uh, as bad mm. as anybody could shoot because he's shooting backwards and to the right while trying to steer Mal, not saying it's an easy thing to do, but it would have been much more easy for Mal to pull his gun and take a few shots at Rance. Yes. On the horse and probably have a better chance of hitting him and killing him. But he doesn't do that. He has to go up and do the leap off the horse, on, knock the guy off the hovercraft so that the hovercraft, which is obviously a very expensive special effect they can't afford, gets off the screen as quickly as possible. And then, <laughs> and then you know, gets him up and then gets the gun to his head. And in that, in that moment of machismo, he's got to turn around and knock him unconscious. He's got he's to pound him a little bit to take his frustrations yes. out on the guy, which is... What yes. he was doing by sh- jumping him off the, instead of shooting him. Yes. Um, and and we have talked about Mal being that sort of weird code, which is partially what I think is going on there with him and and Mandy. I think in his code mind, you don't do stuff like that unless you have some genuine feelings for him, and and so. <sighs> anyway, he knocks the guy out, which will make him harder to take back to the. Uh, to the uh, heart of gold, and he's promptly killed by a uh, praline. No, it's not praline. It's uh, <laughs> pedaline. Pedaline. There we go. Do you know what bugged me about that scene? And and I, no, I'm fine with him shooting him. The guy deserved to get shot. <laughs> it's like it's a wild west town. He comes in and he's blasting up people, and 
And obviously he's the law on the planet as yep. well. Yep. So that's just revolution and that's fine. Yep. Would you, if you were pedaling, say hi to your daddy, bam, say bye to your daddy. Or would you say hi to your daddy? Now say bye to your daddy. Boom. Because the latter gives Rance a chance to realize he's about to die and suffer a little bit more. But instead, she just cleans him out, cleans his clock before she realizes what she's going to do. Yeah. It's interesting to remember that because I, I, from when I watched it four weeks ago or whenever it was, my recollection was that it was actually the way you said it second. It was only when I watched it again yesterday that I realized it was the way you said first. So, yeah. I don't don't know which I prefer, but it's interesting that you've picked up on the point and my brain had remembered it completely in the order that you thought it should be rather than the order it actually was. And and that's exactly how it feels. It should have been in the other order, which I can't believe that the writers didn't know that. The whole creative team didn't know that, right? I mean, the writer puts it down and then the script editor looks at it and says, you sure you want to do it this way? Does it make her more cold-blooded or does it make it less so? Or is she just worried that he might try to escape and so don't give him any warning? I don't know. It just it just hit me. It's like that's, that just didn't quite feel right. But but I don't have any answer. I just I just feel like it must have been intentional from the standpoint of the writer and not just how he thought of it first and went on. You're wrong. Hmm? You're wrong. It's not that it was always the way on screen in the script it was the way that you think it should be in the script in the script say goodbye to say goodbye to your daddy jonah burgess blanches close pestling camera looking up the business end of the gun she fires so they re-edited it in well or they shot it differently oh, all right all right because it's definitely the shot first and then say goodbye Oh, yes. Oh, yes, this, it is on screen. That's yeah. that whole Han Solo who shot first thing. No. <laughs> that's going to be a controversy forever. Well, that's interesting. Nothing in there about why it's different? No. No, it doesn't even note that it is different. Huh. Huh. Well, that is interesting. All right. Well, two things I have left. One is Amazing Grace is better on bagpipes. And... <laughs> don't know if you can have bagpipes in a Western... You don't think there were Scottish people out West? <laughs> I mean, they were the sheep farmers. I'll defer to you on that. I'll defer they, to you on that. They and the Irish were the sheep farmers, right? I mean, that, that's, that's, one of those, that's one of those little bits of racism that gets overlooked quite a bit in the American West is that the, the, the poor Scottish and Irish immigrants were the sheep farmers that the cattle people hated so much. <laughs> West. So I'm sure there were some bagpipes somewhere in the Old West. Somewhere. And the other thing is the, the the last scene with Mal and and Inara. I mean, we've talked about their their uh, un, unresolved uh, situation, but um, was Mal about to confess his undying love? Oh yeah, he was feeling truthsome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did very very much appreciate. I did very much appreciate the line. Nandy said about learning to say ain't because it does feel put on out there in 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 firefly land um <laughs> it, it it does seem like an affection that that everyone or an affectation that that everyone has has adopted it's to... an affectation that everyone has great affection for yes <laughs> um so yeah truthsome feeling truthsome what what would but what was he going to confess? I mean, exactly. I love you. Uh, I, I, because I'm not asking for anything from you, right? Isn't that what he leads with? I'm no, not looking for anything. He, I'm not looking for anything from you. He was just going to tell her the way he feels about her. How, which... how do you, how do you possibly say that to a person and not be expecting ask for something out of them? I mean, you, you can't do that. <laughs> Does, humans yes, don't you work can. that way. Well, you're all right. You might, you might uh, 
certainly you you can you that can be your intention that can be your intention it absolutely can i i suppose you you might think that you're not asking for something okay i'll i'll accept that but i mean it, it's just the kind yeah, of thing effectively what he what he has been doing is hiding how he feels about her really well i might add he's been hiding it really really well <laughs> we also we also aren't absolutely clear how how aware he is himself about his own feelings for her so it's it may not it may be a, an act of self-deception as well i but agree. no i mean when when you made the comment in the synopsis about this undetected sexual tension that was ironic right yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're not saying that it was actually well hidden. What? <laughs> like you know, it was. It, yes, it, it's been. I, I, I think it's. I, I obviously the point was is that it takes another companion to just suddenly like, boom! I walk into the room, and obviously those two. It's like yeah, everyone on the planet can see that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> except the two of them. Or at least Inara, I think. Yes, yes, but it, but it, but it's it's one of those things of where you are blinded by your own feelings, isn't it? I I I think so. It's like your your you, the feelings that you have make it impossible for you to objectively assess what's going on, whether you're overcompensating or whether you know all that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think what Mal was I think what Mal was saying in that scene where he's being truthsome is explaining what his feelings are so that having whenever it is that he's understood it for himself having having realized it for himself he he does not have to hide them from her even if she has no feelings for him or as he says he's not asking for anything from her he just wants to be open about it i guess it it would uh, i i would like to see I would like to see that play out in such a way that you could say, well, I'm, I'm not looking for anything from you, but I just wanted you to know how much I love you. And the other person to be able to nothing that. <laughs> because otherwise, you, you're going to draw out something from them. You're hoping to draw out something from them. You, you yes. have to be. You have to be. And well, or you could just or hoping, yeah. yeah, you could just send a text or whatever, yeah, yeah, just you know, that's a yeah. So, but I, you know, I still think I, th I think what he says is meaningful, but I love the fact that then Inara is always one step ahead of him and blindsides him with her response. That's her training. <laughs> she realized that Mal has feelings for her. And uh, and was about to uh, no was about to spill a bean. She realized she realized that she has feelings for him. Oh well, yes. Now she did that too. But but she knew he was going to. Of course, she could have feelings for him, and he didn't have feelings for her, and so she wouldn't have known that was coming. But now, um, uh, okay, is the next episode? Let's let's ask the question: Is the next episode, to your knowledge, filmed or intended to be the next episode? Yes. Yes. Okay. So then we have reason to believe that that cliffhanger of her leaving will not be completely forgotten in the next oh, episode no. or no, no, no. that she won't even be in it or something of that nature. Okay. So then I won't go into it much uh, more than now. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's any way I can, I, I can't, I can't say I'm not asking for anything for you and then put it out there because obviously <laughs> like, you won't be able to divorce that from what you know of the next episode or about any explanations or how it plays out or whatever. So we'll just leave it as something we'll look at at the next episode, uh, which is something like rocks in orbit or... Uh, Objects in space. Objects in space. Getting close. <clears throat> Getting close. Which could be rocks in orbit. They would be objects in space. Right. I think that's about all I've got. Simon, have you got anything else? Well, there was just a, just one little thing, which was that, uh, again, on the theme of things that you've mentioned before, you have talked about the nature of weapons in the Firefly universe. Mm -hmm. And whether we're talking about projectile weapons or laser weapons. Mm-hmm. 
And there are a lot of weapons in this. In the pre-teaser sequence, Mal's got all of his guns laid out and clearly they're all firing projectiles. Mm-hmm. And yet Rance Burgess's super-duper laser thing is far and away the best weapon on the moon to the point where Mal wants to run away because of it, at least until it starts saying, check battery. Yeah. <laughs> Not an energizer, <laughs> so, obviously. No, I think, uh, but I think that gives you some indication that it is definitely a mixed economy when it comes to the traditional and the, the futuristic kind of guns. Yeah, I mean, my guess is... My guess is that the intent of the weird sound effect of the handguns, the normal projectile-looking handguns, is to indicate that they are using some other form of pro- propellant. Mm-hmm. That it isn't black smoke powder. Yes. That it, that it's yeah. something else. That it that could be an electrical explosion or charge or something, something that's different that gives it a pew instead of a bang. But... Which could, it could be an actual, an old-fashioned gun that has been modified in some way. Yeah. Much like you take a coal-fired locomotive and run it on oil, for example. Yeah. Well, and, and, a, and a gun like that is going to have uh, bullets that have a, a casing that has gunpowder in it and a, a and that thing you strike on it. Can't think of it off the top of my head because that's not my... <laughs> it's not flint. Uh <laughs> firing well, it was once it's like there's like a firing pin and it hits the thing that detonates the charge but it could be you know that you take a regular gun and you just have a completely different bullet technology yes that something you strike causes a different kind of propellant and then and then they use it and and you know obviously gunpowder would not be terribly useful in no atmosphere and i think we had right. something about yeah, that same. in an episode that made you think it was gunpowder because uh, Jane's big gun couldn't fire outside the spacesuit. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. So, so whatever it is, still requires some form of combustion. At least that's the the, the assumption. All right. Well, in that case, um, anything else? Just uh, when when the baby's being delivered and and you get River's expression and responses to it, I I have to say I enjoyed that a lot. Who who do you think is in there? Very good. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.